Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 332. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. I'm also joined by our sponsor of the podcast, Blueprint MCAT. If you have not gone and check out all of their amazing resources, especially free resources, that's what we like here, go to blueprintmcat.com and sign up for a free account and get access to a half-length diagnostic, a free full-length exam, their amazing study planner tool, a space repetition flashcard platform, and much more. Go check it out today. Uh, This week on the podcast, we're covering a topic that's specific for ESL students. So if you're a second language student, English as a second language student specifically, um, and you're struggling with the MCAT or you've heard rumors that the MCAT is harder for ESL students, this I think will be a great episode for you to really understand potentially what you can do to make sure that your ESL status or whatever you want to call it uh, doesn't hinder you on the MCAT. George, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about a topic today that I think will be helpful for a lot of students, a lot of students who need and deserve the help for the MCAT because, I don't know, I I feel like the MCAT... uh, disadvantages this population of students and that's that's ESL students um mm-hmm. the MCAT obviously is an English based test written by English writers and <laughs> a lot of ESL students will complain about just the structure of the passages the length of passages a lot of idioms in the passages and they're like ah, I have no idea what's going on and yeah, there, there's a lot of self-doubt that creeps in before, during, after, all the time. So I would love to talk about some strategies that ESL students can implement as they're doing their MCAT prep to hopefully help them on their test day. Mm, mm. Where, do, really where do they start? Yeah, this is a really important topic. I mean, I think whether you're ESL or not, there are some universal principles to learning some of the vocabulary that's related with the MCAT because it's a very common pattern for a lot of students, myself included, where you're going to see passages where there are words you don't know. Now, there are two sides to the coin, as in sometimes the word is necessary, whether it's a science word or it's a term that the MCAT expects you to know. But a lot of the cases, the MCAT isn't meant to be a vocabulary test. So a lot of the cases, these fancy words are really just put there to kind of throw you off your rocker a little bit. But that being said, the additional challenges come in when you are ESL because those colloquial words or those like everyday words that you might be expected to know, 
you might not know because English isn't your first language and you haven't been exposed to this before. You didn't grow up reading English and speaking English. So there are definitely challenges. But I guess if we focus on like the actionable stuff first, there are certain patterns that are definitely worth learning. And, and it's a very meticulous process of, you know, there are a lot of things to learn. Don't try to learn all the vocabulary, but definitely focus on some of the higher yield things, the more important things, right? Especially in, let's say, the, the sciences. A big thing to learn are the prefixes and the suffixes. So the sections that come before the words and the sections that come after, right? Very commonly, you'll see things like hypo, hyper, iso, these things, these prefixes. Hypo just means less. Hyper means more. Iso means the same, right? You'll see this time and time again for different words, isotonic, isothermic, or hyperthermic, right? You'll see these time and time again. Even words like in metabolism, gluconeogenesis. It's like, that's a mouthful. All it means is gluco, glucose, neo, new way, genesis, making. New way of making glucose, gluconeogenesis, right? So not from usual sugar substrates, but from fats, amino acids, whatever it may be. A lot of the times the words do make sense. And so that's where it's important to maybe break the puzzle pieces down as more of a universal principle, but it does get more complicated if you're, if you're ESL. So when it comes to English words like that, right? I think um, breaking it down uh, from a science, not English words, scientific words, right? There, there's some technicality to that that I think is probably a little bit easier. But mm. what about a car's passage that, that has yeah. this this random word that they're like, I have no idea, or, or yeah, um, things that later in life, as as I I'm learning about different languages and different cultures and things, and um, I, I forget where it is. There, there's some language that like regret is not like a thing in their language. So, or, yeah. or so, <laughs> yeah. something like that, right? They, they, they don't have that processing power. They don't understand what it means to think about something in that way. And then they're reading this passage going like, uh, I've, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> like, it just doesn't compute in my language, in my culture or whatever. Mm. I mean, the cars, the cars section is challenging to begin with. And in the same kind of idea where no matter how advanced your vocabulary is, you're going to see words that you've never seen before. And you're like, why would you ever use that? Right. Um, when it comes down to it, one thing that is helpful is when you get to review. So you finish a car's passage and you're like, oh, I saw a word I didn't know. Right. It's easy to get stressed and overwhelmed. That's a very common reaction because we feel like we don't know we're thrown off a rocker and then we don't really understand the rest of the information. We get to the question. We're confused as well. What is really important to do is right after you practice, go into review and think, okay, well, why did I miss this question? Was it because like, okay, there were these words I didn't know. Did I need those words? Did I really need those words to understand this idea? Did I need those words to understand the question? Because a lot of the times the MCAT is going to use big, ugly words, but the meaning is there. It's like a long sentence. Read sentence by sentence, not word by word, right? What does the sentence mean? Is there another sentence that comes after that explains those words when the author's like, oh, you know, they're words. Like I said all those weird things, but really I'm just trying to say this, right? I call it, especially in the philosophy passages, there's, do you know what I mean isms where it's like, they use this big, elaborate, long, weird way of describing something. And then they're like, yeah, all I'm trying to say is this, right? So that's where it's like, okay, what is actually important? What do I actually need to apply in my questions, answers, and passage? 
That being said, there is some basic vocabulary that the MCAT will expect you to know, especially in cars for like, um, they pull from a lot of disciplines in the humanities and the social sciences. So this would be like your psychology, anthropology, so like human studies or like social sciences. There's a number of things that they could pull from. Um, it's actually posted on the AMC official guide on what kind of topics they pull from. I, I don't have it off the top of my mind, but the list is out there. Um, and what I would recommend is that if you have time, do some basic reading in any of these passages. I, I think there's like websites called like AL Daily or something where you have a whole host of passages that are just these topics. They're not cars related. There are no questions associated. But I really encourage whether it's like, you know, you put some sort of um, speech to text app and you're listening to them or you're reading along with them, just trying to process, okay, what is the style of language that comes up? What are those words that come up over and over? So for example, in politics, you might hear words like democracy, right? So that's something where it's like the people elect their body and they go on to represent the government. That's a word that you might be expected to know for the MCAT or even like economics, right? This idea of supply and demand, how much you start with, how much people want to, you know, buy and value it. And, um, Things like that you will see over and over, but they're also really common topics whenever someone talks about these, these different disciplines. And so by seeking out passages, if you know that you you have a bit of a language barrier, and that's okay. I can't say that there's never a language barrier. Mm -hmm. If you know that the language is something that you want to improve, building familiarity in these topics will really help you by thinking, okay, well, what are those random descriptor words that don't really matter? Mm -hmm. But also, what are the words we always talk about in economics, moral philosophy, in uh, you know uh, psychology? What are the words that come up over and over and over? Those are the ones that will be useful for being like, okay, maybe I should remember what this word is. Um, in terms of your own practice and, and, and understanding as a, as prep for the future in cars. How much do you think is just a comfortableness with being uncomfortable with mm. the words and, and understanding that the, the word, the phrase, the sentence that a specific student is getting tripped up on probably means very little in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, this I this was exactly me. I wrote the MCAT twice, actually. And I have to be fully transparent about that. And the first time was actually cars. That was the one section. I did really well in all the sciences, but I panicked a little bit on test day because it fell behind in my timing. I saw some words I didn't know. I felt like the passage was way longer than it really was, but it's the same length as it usually is. I just freaked out. When you freak out, all your kind of processing power goes out the window. And the same thing happens when you read a passage and you see that one word and you just freak out. It really is a skill to be able to take a step back and just be like, you know what? I accept that I'm going to see things I don't know. I will see through practice words that I don't know, but I will decide later if it was useful or not. Having the ability to be like, I'm going to stay composed and I'm going to look for things that I do understand 90% of the time. And again, there might be, I would say for most students, there isn't a language barrier. But again, for maybe ESL students, there, there might be a bit of a language barrier. But 90% of the time, if you are comfortable with everyday, you know, English conversation, you can read most texts that come across your way. I'm not even talking about advanced texts of like, uh, moral philosophy, all this crazy stuff. But like, you know, you can read some online passages, you can read, you know, these these BuzzFeed articles, or whatever, and you're comfortable reading it, you're probably at a level where most of the things you come across when you read a car's passage are going to be at the level that you need them to be. You're going to see things that you don't know, but stay, take a breath, reset a little bit, look for context clues. What is the author really trying to say? What is the point of this sentence? What is the point of this paragraph? How do the ideas fit together? Because time and time again, that is the approach that will pay off. Not so much being proud of like, I know all the vocabulary here because 
that's really not useful. The chances are they're not going to ask you, what is the meaning of this extremely ugly word used in paragraph three, unless they followed it up with some sort of explanation that came immediately after, some sort of context clue that came immediately after. The MCAT really is not meant to be a vocabulary test, even though it sometimes feels that way. Yeah, I think it's such a key thing. Um, just when I talk to students, they just they they just focus on these words, these phrases, and I'm like, just did you try to just move on, right, and and just ignore that? But but not even just move on in terms of like physically moving on, but mentally, just mm. just giving yourself some grace to go. You know what? It's it's I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. The, the likelihood of me needing to understand that word that I'm concerned that I don't know, uh, the likelihood of me needing to know that to answer any of these questions is slim to none. And I, I think it's a really hard skill amongst this uh, population of students that is, is just such a high perfectionist, like high standard mm. student of like, I need to know it all. Mm. And if I don't know it, I'm not going to get a good MCAT score. If I don't get a good MCAT score, I'm not going to get a med school. I'm going to disappoint my family and <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> Downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. All during the MCAT. <laughs> right? That's, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, horrible. No, it, it's definitely one of those things like even with the perfectionism, you know, I, I, I came across a quote a few years ago, actually in my undergrad where it really changed my life in the sense that um, I was always chasing for, I got to know it. It's like, it's got to be perfect. I want to be as prepared as possible. Mm -hmm. The quote is done is better than perfect. Yeah. Right? This idea of get through it, get through that passage, improve upon it. Right. And like we said before, there might be some words that you do need to learn, but you'll discover that in review. And you'll also discover a lot of words of like, I really didn't need to know that word to answer this question because mm -hmm. the next sentence explainer, the main idea was there, right? So having that ability, like you said, of taking a step back and just being like, I'm going to see things that I don't know and I'm okay with that. But I'm going to always do my best to simplify some ideas, to try and understand the takeaway ideas. The same way when you're having a conversation with someone, you don't memorize everything they, they, they say to you. You don't worry too much if they use one crazy word or fancy word here and there. You just you, you think to yourself, what are they trying to say? What is the main idea they're trying to say? What is the general tone and, and, and feelings and arguments and opinions that they're bringing up? Those are the things, the same things you want to focus on with the cars passage. So being okay with not knowing some things is a really useful skill and also learning when do I actually need to know those things. That's an important skill as well. And of course that comes with time and experience builds confidence, confidence builds more experience, but yeah, um, for sure, as, you, as long as you move in the right direction, you'll get to where you need to go. Do you see a difference between the car section and the science sections with mm. ESL students and, and their ability to, or need to prep differently? Yeah, that's a good question in the sense that in the sciences, there is certain vocabulary that you are expected to know from a content standpoint. And so as an example, I think for non-ESL students who maybe have taken some undergrad courses in these pre-med programs and they've done some labs and they've, you know, they've seen the plasmids and they've seen the, you know, uh, restriction enzyme, right? These, these little content nuggets that if you if you learned about them, but not in English, it will be helpful to maybe revisit those concepts and try to translate over as much as you can, because these words on their own 
Some of them are a bit self-explanatory and some of them just seem like, like a plasmid. Like, what am I supposed to do with that information, right? But it's like, it's something that you are expected to know about. And so this is where flashcards could be helpful. This is where, you know, reading could be helpful. Um, revisiting some content or translating from your, your former notes back to, you know, English notes or whatever it may be, but familiarizing yourself with some of these testable scientific concepts. Um, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know all the disease names. You don't need to know all the fancy genes, but conventions are important. It is important to have a familiarity with some uh, scientific knowledge of like, what does a lab report look like? The intro, the background, the methods, the, the, like the, the results and the, the conclusion and that kind of stuff. So being familiar with that structure, that's really important. Um, but it, it's difficult to say from such a broad level, there will be things you do need to learn. And it's, it's, it's tough to give that general advice because it does get specific of like, what do you actually need to know? What do you not need to know? Yeah. So the, again, the advice for ESL students for, for this episode today, mm. we, we gave the advice last week, last week's episode about reading, read, 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 read for fun, yes. read for this, read. I, I'm assuming, uh, and we talked about it a little bit already, just, the, I just want to reiterate, right? Reading for ESL students, for every student, is such an important skill. And mm -hmm. and non-MCAT reading, right? You don't have to just read for the MCAT. It's go right. go open up a novel, go open up a, some uh, autobiography, go go read The Atlantic, the big big uh, magazine journal, whatever you want to call it, publication. Mm. Um, any other reading, non-MCAT reading that you would recommend to, to start building up those skills? Yeah, or even, and this is almost like a full circle moment because last week I was saying, hey, like read to build the foundation for the familiarity and build that endurance and, and reset your boredom threshold. When it comes to just familiarity and content, this is where actually maybe you want to choose the efficiency route, where maybe it helps to see animations come out or going onto YouTube and whether you're eating lunch or dinner or just you have five minutes, 10 minutes here or there, you have those little videos that explain, oh, here's a gel electrophoresis. And you're like, well, that's a ugly word to learn, but what are we really doing here, right? It's like, oh, you're running these either DNA or nucleotide things across some wells. They're applying certain voltages. And it's like, you're familiarizing yourself with this language in the context that it's, it's MCAT testable, but you're, you're doing it in a way where it's like, you're processing information. You're seeing it ahead of time. You're not really formally studying, but you're starting to build those basic connections that as you see it more and as you practice more, it'll solidify, right? So Learning really is circular. It's not meant to be learn everything at once. You're a pro. Nobody in the history of never ever has learned something once, watched one video and memorized everything, right? But this idea of constantly revisiting topics of even starting early on, you know, you have that gap of what the heck do I call all these things in English? You just start watching it, you know, like when you're eating lunch, one video on one technique, one video on one topic, whatever it may be. And your goal is just familiarity. Look through those things and it'll build up over time and trust that as you revisit the next time you read it, you're like, I've seen that word plasmid. I've seen that before. I don't really remember it, but oh yes, this is what it was about, right? So having that kind of layered foundational approach to learning the content can be really helpful as well. It doesn't have to be all in one go and it doesn't have to be big steps at, the, uh, at every time, right? As long as you take little steps in the right direction and you keep moving in that direction, you keep moving forward, you will get to where you need to go. And I believe that every student, doesn't matter if it's the ESL or any other student, traditional, non-traditional, it is possible in the end to, to really get to that goal score and really build that really, really good foundation that you're looking for. 
All right, so there you have it. Again, hopefully as an ESL student um, or someone maybe that you're just struggling with the MCAT in general, maybe this episode gave you some good tips and advice on how to improve your score. Go check out our sponsor, blueprintmcat.com today. Sign up for that free account and get access to all of their amazing free resources. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.